Chapter Eighteen of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen. At the distance of about a quarter of a mile from Clive Grange was a group of six or seven cottages of neat and comfortable appearance, tenanted by labourers on Mr. Clive's own farm. They were all respectable, hard-working people, and as Clive himself was not without his prejudices, especially upon religious matters he had contrived that most of those whom he employed should be roman catholics as there were not many of that church in the part of the country where he lived some of these men had come from a distance he would not indeed refuse a good workman and a man of high character on account of his being a protestant but he had a natural preference for persons of his own views and all things equal chose them rather than any others this preference was known far and wide and consequently when any of his distant friends wished to recommend an honest man of the romish creed to employment where they were certain to be well treated they wrote to mr clive so that he had rarely any difficulty in suiting himself in one of these cottages at a much later hour than usual a light was burning on the night of which i have been speaking and within over the smouldering embers of a small wood fire sat a tall man of the middle age with a peculiar deep-set blue eye fringed with dark lashes which is very frequently to be found amongst the milesian race his figure was bent and his hands stretched out over the smouldering hearth to gain any little heat that it gave out and as he thus sat his eyes were bent upon the red sparks amongst the white ashes with a grave contemplative gaze he seemed dull and somewhat melancholy and from time to time muttered a few words to himself with the peculiar tone of his countrymen ay he said as something struck him in the half-extinguished fire that one's gone out too if the priest stays much longer they'll all be out one after the other well it's little matter for that we must all go out some time or other and very often when we think we are burning brightest that young lad now i dare say when he went out for his walk never fancied his neck would be broke before he came home again sorrow a bit he got what he deserved anyhow and i'd have done it for him if the master hadn't Hist! that must be the priest's step coming down the hill he's the only man likely to be out so late in this country and going with such a slow step though the lads are having a bit of a shindy to-night they tell me the next moment the latch was lifted the door opened and mr filmer walked in the labourer instantly rose and placed a wooden chair for his pastor by the side of the fire saying good night your reverence it's mighty cold this afternoon i don't find it so answered filmer but i dare say you do sitting all alone here with but a little spark like that i was afraid you would get tired of waiting and go to bed i'm much obliged to you for sitting up as i told you oh in course i did as your reverence said answered daniel connor i always obey my priest that's right dan answered mr filmer now i have come to tell you what i want you to do like a good lad anything your reverence says i am quite ready to do replied the irishman i kept the matter quite quiet as you said and not a bare word about it passed my lips to any of the servants for i am not going to say anything that can hurt the master for a better never lived than he no dan answered the priest but i'll tell you what you must do you must say a word or two to serve him 
and Filmer fixed his eyes keenly upon the man's face, which brightened up in a moment with a very shrewd and merry smile as he replied, "'That I'll do with all my heart, your reverence. It's but the telling me what to say, and I'll say it.' "'Well, then, you see, Dan,' continued Filmer, "'this is likely to be a bad business for Mr. Clive, if we do not manage very skilfully. He is somewhat obstinate himself, and might with difficulty be persuaded to take the line of defence we want.' and which, indeed, is necessary to his own safety. Now the first thing that will take place here is the coroner's inquest. Aye, I suppose so, but they shan't get anything out of me there. I can answer for it. I can be as blind as a mole when I like, and as deaf, too. But you must be somewhat more, Dan, was the priest's reply. You see, if suspicion fixes to no one, and the jury bring in a verdict of willful murder against some person or persons unknown, the magistrates will never leave inquiring into the matter till they fix it upon your poor master. What we must do must be to turn the first suspicions upon someone else, so as to keep Mr. Clive free of them altogether, and then he will be safe enough. "'Won't that be something very like murder, your reverence?' asked Connor abruptly, with a very grave face. "'I never did the like of that, and I think it's a sin, is it not?' the sin be upon me answered filmer sternly cannot i absolve you daniel connor for that which i bid you to do are you going to turn heretic too do you doubt that the church has power to absolve you from your sins or that where she points out the course to you the end does not justify the means oh no the blessed saints forbid exclaimed connor eagerly i don't doubt a word of it i am quite sure your reverence is right i was only just asking you like "'Oh, if that's all,' answered Mr. Filmer, "'and you are not beginning to feel scandalous doubts "'from living so long amongst a number of heretics all about, "'I will answer your question plainly. "'It is not at all like murder, nor will there be any sin in it. "'The person who is likely to be suspected "'will be able easily to clear himself in the end, "'so that he runs no risk of anything but a short imprisonment, "'which may perhaps turn to the good of his soul.' for I shall not fail to visit him, and show him the way to the true light. But in the meantime, Mr. Clive will be saved from all danger, and if you look at the matter as a true son of the church, you will see that there is no choice between a believer like Mr. Clive and an obstinate heretic and unbeliever like this other man. "'Oh, if it is a heretic!' exclaimed Connor with a laugh. "'That quite alters the matter. I didn't know he was a heretic.' "'You do not suppose, I hope,' replied Mr. Filmer, "'that I would have proposed such a thing if he was not. "'All my children are equally dear to me, be they high or low, "'and I would not peril one to save another.' "'Well, your reverence, I am quite ready to do whatever you say,' answered Connor, "'and if you just give me a thought of the right way, "'I'll walk along it as straight as a line.' "'The case is this, then,' rejoined the priest. "'There was a quarrel between this young lord,' and a Mr. Dudley, which went on more or less through the whole of this day. Dudley went out about eight o'clock, and Lord Hadley followed him, and overtook him, and they went on quarrelling by the way. Very soon after that, the young lord met with his death. Now men will naturally think that Mr. Dudley killed him, for no one but you and your master and Miss Clive saw him after, till he was speechless. What you must do then is this, when you hear the coroner's inquest is sitting, you must come up and offer to give evidence, 
and you must tell them exactly where you were standing when the young lord came up to the top of the cliff and then you must say that you saw a man come up to him and a quarrel take place and two or three blows struck and the unhappy lad pitched over the cliff and not a word about miss helen said the man not a word answered filmer keep yourself solely to the fact of having seen a man of gentlemanly appearance oh he is a gentleman every inch of him exclaimed connor no doubt about that your reverence so you can state continued the priest but take care not to enter too much into detail say you saw him but indistinctly that's true enough cried the labourer for it was a darkish night and i was low down in the glen and he high up on the side of the hill so that i caught but a glimmer of him as it were but it was the master notwithstanding that i am quite sure of or else the devil in his likeness but by the blessed saints i do not think it could be the devil either for he did what any man would have done in his place and what i should have done in another minute if he hadn't come up for i would not have stood by to see the young lady ill-treated no how doubtless not answered the priest and it would be hard that the life of such a man should be sacrificed for merely defending his own child oh no that shall never be answered connor if my word can stop it and so father he continued with a shrewd look i suppose that the best thing i can do is if i am asked any questions to say that i didn't rightly see the gentleman that did it but that he looked like a real gentleman and may be about the height of this mr dudley i saw him twice at the farmhouse and if he is in the room i can point him out as being about the tallness of the man i saw and that's not a lie either for they are much alike in length at least neither one nor the other stands much under six feet i'd better not swear to him however by no means answered the priest keep to mere general facts that can but cause suspicion i wish not to injure the young man but merely to turn suspicion upon him rather than mr clive and by so doing to give even mr dudley himself a sort of involuntary penance which may soften an obdurate heart towards the church which his father's foolishly abandoned and leave him one more chance of salvation if he chooses to accept of it it is a hard thing daniel connor to remain for many thousands of years in the flames of purgatory where every moment is marked and prolonged by torture indescribable instead of entering into eternal beatitude where all sense of time is lost in inexpressible joy from everlasting to everlasting but it is a still harder thing to be doomed in hell to eternal punishment where the whole wrath and indignation of god is poured out upon the head of the unrepenting and the obstinate for ever and ever it is mighty hard indeed answered the labourer making the sign of the cross the blessed virgin keep us all from such luck as that it is from that i wish to save him rejoined mr filmer but his heart must first be humbled for you know very well daniel that pride is a source of unbelief in the minds of all these heretics they judge their own opinions to be far better than the dogmas of the church the decisions of councils or the exposition of the fathers and by the same sin which caused the fall of the angels they have also fallen from the faith let no true son of the church follow their bad example but knowing that all things are a matter of faith and that the church is the interpreter mentioned in scripture 
submit their human and fallible reason implicitly to that high and holy authority which is vested in the successor of the apostle and the councils of the church where they will only find the only infallible guide oh but i'll do that certainly replied connor eagerly and yet a shade of doubt seemed to hang upon him for he added the moment after but you know your reverence that when they swear me they will make me swear to tell the whole truth and if i do not say that i know it was mr clive it will be false swearing heed not that answered filmer with a frown have i not told you that i will absolve you and do absolve you besides how can you swear to that which you only believe but do not exactly know you told me this evening up at the hall that you did not see your master's face when he struck the blow ah but i saw his face well enough when he was going up replied the labourer that does not prove that he was the same who did the deed said filmer another might have suddenly come there without your perceiving how he was mighty like the master anyhow said the man in a low tone but i'll say just what your reverence bids me do so answered filmer turning to leave the cottage the church speaks by my voice and accursed be all who disobey her the stern earnestness with which he spoke the undoubting confidence which his words and looks displayed in his power as a priest of that church which pretends to hold the ultimate fate of all beings in its hands his own apparent faith in that vast and blasphemous pretension had their full effect upon his auditor who though a good man a shrewd man and not altogether an unenlightened man had sucked in such doctrines with his mother's milk so that they became as it were a part of his very nature to be sure i will obey said connor it is no sin of mine if any harm comes of it that's the priest's affair anyhow and he retired to his bed End of chapter 18